As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Born Yesterday, a podcast experiment in which myself and Andy Barr Yes have been cloning ourselves. Yes. And those clones have had 24 hours to learn about three things. Yes, they have. They've had the chance to learn about Big Mouth Billy Bass, David Dickinson, and the Super Mario Brothers movie. And on the basis that the clones only understand those three things, our comedian guests have to explain other things, but only using those three things. It's a simple fucking premise. Get on board. Please. Andy. Hmm. What have been your interactions with Big Mouth Billy Bass? We should explain for our listeners who aren't familiar, I think, because the youth today don't know the joy Mm. of a uh, singing Billy Bass. Imagine a lot of young people listen to this. Yes, Mm -hmm. I think they do. (laughs) So, um, Big Mouth Billy Bass Mm. is a sort of... um, Animatronic fish, uh, yes. supposed to look like a sort of uh, trophy fish yeah, displayed yeah. on a wall as you would a, a stag's head or something like that. Mm-hmm. However, it had a dark secret. <laughs> uh, it was possessed of life. Yes. Still. And when provoked, would it... croon at you. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it would, it would sing. Um, one of those sort of uh, novelty pieces where his the thing with one of those mm. is that so so what is it? It's like an amusing thing to have on your wall, 
in like your den, you know, like yeah, yeah, American yeah. men have a den. Yeah. And it'd be like a surprise, go, well, you like my fish? Hey, check this out. And it sings to you. Yeah. Oh, isn't Ralph hilarious? Mm. Um, but uh, once you make loads of these things, everyone knows they exist, and therefore the novelty completely wears off. Yeah. It was huge for a bit, though, wasn't it? I wanted one quite a lot yeah. when I was a kid. I liked animatronic things. Yes. And puppets, so... I wanted a fish that sang to me. It's how many? How many uh, songs did it have? I think it just did the one, but it was a medley. Uh, a it, medley, yeah. <laughs> so now that's pronounced. I think just medley. Medley, yeah. Medley. <laughs> I am from the West Midlands. <laughs> Come and listen to me, medley. <laughs> Look, the fish is singing. Listen to its medley. They'd never seen the like in Birmingham before. <laughs> Normally they're just on the plight. They don't <laughs> sing at all. But this one's doing... Got a classic rummy dinner of just a fish <laughs> on a plate. Yeah, and an old boot next to it. <laughs> We've got more canals than anywhere else. And menace. I wonder if the fish in the canals sing. It's quality, not quantity, though, isn't it? <laughs> Give me one good canal. <laughs> and with that sentiment, Andy devastated the Birmingham Tourism Board. <laughs> I would love everybody's you. Everybody's woken up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I would love for you, because Birmingham was pushing that for quite a while. <laughs> We've got more canals in Venice. I just love you turning me and go, yeah, it's about quality rather than quantity. And just the room going silent for a full minute before <laughs> anyone speaks again. <laughs> Would you buy a Billy Bass for this flat, Andy? No. Why not? Uh, because I think it would it would be too funny. It's <laughs> would spend too much of your time. Yeah. So I think in, in isn't it is it Infinite Jest where there's a, this idea of this entertaining... This entertainment that's so entertaining that everyone goes into a sort of catatonic state. This is not the first time you've mentioned yeah. this in the podcast. Well, obviously it's a... <laughs> it's, it's a big, it's a big map. Yes, yeah, I've never even finished the fucking book. Uh, that's that stayed lodged. Here's the annoying thing with the big maps, Billy Bass. <laughs> there is just one. <laughs> the, the only flaw in this is um, they run on um, on AA batteries. Ah uh, no, we will will. But it's fixed to your wall. We'll fucking hook ours up to the mains. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely would. If I had a big mouth Billy Bass, I would have a switch on the wall. Mm. And uh, yeah, it wouldn't be fucking. I don't want to hang things that run on double A's. I'd stick walls. my iPod in it, so it can sing anything. Yeah. So that's actually that could be a new sort of angle for the big mouth Billy Bass company, whatever that is. Could be a sort of docking station. Yeah, and yeah. it sings, you know. Then you can have all manner of fun with getting the fish to sing inappropriate songs. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Perfect. Some of the NWA's more hardcore tracks. What other sort of, like, cute novelty house decorations? Was there, like, a moose head that sang to you and spoke to you as well? Probably, I think, off the of... back of the Big Mouth Billy Bass. Yeah. I think there probably was, like, a range in the first place. And then <laughs> and like, that to... one just happened to, like, you know, really capture the public imagination. Imagine going to the guy's house who has all of them, Andy. 
Mm. He's got the full range. He's got he's got the big mouth Billy Bass and like smaller ones and like a huge trout on the wall yeah. that does, you know, Ness and Dormer. And then he's also got <laughs> like a moose head that talks to you and sings. Mm. He's got like a fake goldfish and a fake bowl. A pig that does REM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a couple of couple of birds on the windowsill getting through the crash, crash test dummies back catalogue. <laughs> Andy. Yeah. For our younger listeners, can you please explain who David Dickinson is? Yeah, uh, for sure. David Dickinson's a sort of orange fellow who used to present. Uh... God, what was it? Was it um, Bargain Hunt? Yes, Bargain right. Hunt. And then they they gave it to a different fellow who kind of is functionally the same. Tim Wanacott. That good knowledge, Andy. <laughs> good, 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 solid knowledge mm. there. Yeah, David Dickinson was um, uh, basically in every joke. Cheapest f- chips. Yeah, from about sort of 2002 to about 2006. Yeah. Um, he had a lot of fake tan on. Yeah. And um and he was he was he was an old-fashioned English eccentric as yeah. well, you know. But I I really don't I mean to be honest it seems it seems odd that we've even chosen to include him as one of the three things in this episode given how kind of little there is to kind of cling on to. Well, he's an orange bloke he's who's involved orange... in antiques. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sort of what you need. Yeah, you've got to take antiques and run with them as the... Yeah. Um, and as you well know, Andy, we panicked and wrote down the first thing that we could think of. Yeah, yeah. Why that was the first thing we could think of is beyond me. It's another question and one which perhaps professional help can arrive at the answer to. <laughs> if you had to sell antiques or help people... Mm. Sell antiques. Because Dickinson's got, he's got a USP. Run me through it. (laughs) (laughs) He's sort of really loud and orange. (laughs) Let's role play here. So I bought some antiques to bargain hunt. Right. And I I think it's becoming increasingly aware that Andy and I are not really familiar with the format. Well, no, you're thinking Antiques Roadshow. Yeah. How does bargain hunt? That's trying to get things to Yeah, so basically they're going to boot, boot fairs. Okay. And trying to... Uh, spend their spend their money and then yes. it gets taken to an auction yes. house at the end okay. and then there's a graphic that comes up and says that well then you've you've made eight quid okay so Andy off you fuck so you're presenting in your style okay mm-hmm. I am a sixty five year old Welsh woman called um, uh, Bessie Bessie uh, and uh, I've worked in uh, hospices my entire life. Okay, um, dealing with the old and vulnerable, right? And uh, I'm trying to make some money on bargain yeah. hunt, and I've come to a car boot, and I come to you, and I go, Andy, Andy, look, I've got this. Um, it's sort of uh, it's, a, it's a sort of antique clock uh, thing. It's it's got a very pretty little mechanism, and every hour on the hour, a little man comes out of the top and mm. and and uh, sort of says hello. That's good, very good. I suppose you've got an eye for knackered old crap <laughs> okay. from your work in auspices. Okay, well, I, I feel like that's unfair as a thing to say. I've also got this for you, Andy. It's, it's sort of... Um, I, I, I Where's your accent gone? <laughs> what? Where's your accent? Well, I'm Welsh, but I grew up in England. Where's the hospice <laughs> that you work in? Well, the accent I get from hanging around the elderly and infirm. No, I was just wondering, where is it? Where is it? Where do you live? <laughs> it's in Germany. <laughs> um, 
but look. Do you, ever, do you ever encounter any old Nazis in there? Do you, do you ever get tempted? Slip them a little too much. It's it's not medicine. For, it's not for me to 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 make judgments about the people that I work with in my profession. Um, and and uh, again, don't ask me what I'm raising this money for. Yeah, you got any juicy stories though? Um, Andy, look, do they uh, shit themselves? Uh, Andy, look, I've got this sort of um, this sort of ceremonial sword thing. It's in a beautiful sort of leatherette case, and it's got sort of velvet keeping the sword. And mm. um, I, I don't know exactly what this is for, but I really feel like that this this could fetch a lot of money at auction. No, nah, it's duff, duff. Yeah. Okay. All right. That'll be noted and passed on. And um, I've also, Andy, I've got this um, this beautiful uh, sort of uh, water jugs that, you know, very fine china and very fine sort of floral pattern. I don't know if you could hazard a guess as to sort of what period these are from, but, um, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're very beautiful objects and perhaps there's some history behind them. Now, 60s at best. Right. Yeah. Okay. How much money with these three items do you think I can get? I've been a... Okay, those Nazis are going to starve. So the uh, level of social care in <laughs> Germany is so poor that you've had to come on a English daytime game show mm. to raise money for the Nazis' feed. Well, I think one of the issues is that there's uh, so little goodwill towards the Nazis in the German care system <laughs> that, I've, that I've had to resort to this sort of... <laughs> This little caper. You opened and operate a Nazis only hospice. <laughs> I didn't open it. I didn't open it. I just have a job to do, okay? That's I'm just I'm I've just gotta make a living for myself and my eight children, Andy, okay? What are their names? Their names are important. Rudolph Herman, the other Herman. How did you find out about my children? You've got tattoos of them. It's not the only tattoos I have, of course. Have you ever seen the Super Mario Brothers movie? Uh, I think I have. I think it was on television at Christmas yeah. in possibly round about 1997 or 98. Um, it, the year would probably depend... Finding out the year would depend on what year Blast Core was... Uh, Released on the N64 because I remember that I had been playing that. Okay. Uh, I have seen it, but a very long time ago. Me too. Um, I remember really enjoying it mm. because it's so strange. Yeah. And the performances. Yeah, really odd. Yeah. Uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie uh, is a famous bad movie mm. um, where they take the sort of light-hearted adventure video game Super Mario Brothers and make it sort of dark and gritty. It's directed by a married couple. Um, is it? And there's some sort of insinuation that the reason that everybody is dressed so fetishistically in that film is because that's sort of what their vibe is. Good grief. Yeah. But... Um, Nintendo decided to entrust their greatest intellectual property with them. I found a couple of perverts and they want to make a film. <laughs> you sling a load of money at them. <laughs> they say that they've got Bob Hoskins on board to play a, an Italian-American plumber. Seems odd. 
Let's go for well, it. Well, I, I saw the long Good Friday and I thought it was great. So. <laughs> Let me just quickly, I'm just going to Google what else the directors of the Super Mario Brothers movie directed. Piss Pig 3. <laughs> Super Mario Bros, also known as Super Mario Bros. The Movie, was directed by the husband and wife team of Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jankel. Jankel? Mm. Morton and Jankel. Rocky Morton. Rocky Morton is the co-creator of Max Headroom. Oh, fuck. I've, I've never really had like a particularly keen idea of what the fuck Max Headroom was. Uh, Max Headroom is... The the backstory to the character is sort of kind of similar to Robocop. Right. But instead of making him into a policeman, they make him into a sort of TV personality. Right. But I think there's a sort of satirical edge to it as well. I see. He's also directed a lot of uh, music videos. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Um, uh, as uh, has Annabelle Jankel. <laughs> Uh, who is the s- sister of the musician and songwriter Chaz Jankel. <laughs> Get out of town. Who is best known as a member of new wave band Ian Jury and the Blockheads. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, yes, both of these people are English as well. <laughs> well, that's why they got Hoskins on board then. So, Japanese company Nintendo and the American <laughs> producers of the Super Mario Brothers movie just decided to give it to a couple of English perverts. That's, you know, I think that whatever you think about the Super Mario Brothers movie, that that's a series of um, absolutely insane decisions with a large amount of somebody's money that simply would not get made in cinema these days. And also, the the Super Mario Brothers movie was released in 1993, mm. which means that it was made late 91, 92. Yeah. So Mario was already, already like a huge intellectual property. It's not yeah. like the sort of new company that's got a new thing. There was a TV show as well. I've just found this on the Wikipedia page for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, when a... Uh, an American producer was trying to assure Nintendo that they would have uh, creative control over the film. Uh, Nintendo had no interest in creative control and believed the Mario brand was strong enough to allow an experiment with an outside industry. That's great. Well done, Nintendo, who these days, I understand, are incredibly litigious about um, uh, this sort of thing. The first screenplay was written by Oscar-winning screenwriter Barry Morrow. His story followed brothers Mario and Luigi on an existential road trip so similar to Morrow's prior Rain Man script that production titled the script to the Super Mario Brothers movie Drain Man. Co-producer Fred Caruso later said that Morrow's story was more of a serious drama piece as opposed to a fun comedy. <laughs> nah, but wait. Whack Yoshi in there. And then we've got a movie. 
So for younger people who've not seen the Super Mario Brothers movie, you will be familiar with Mario because mm. you've existed in the world. Imagine Mario. There's a new Super Mario Brothers movie coming out. It's animated and colourful with Chris Pratt and Jack Black and yeah, and uh, Anna Taylor Joy. Imagine Super Mario, but sort of horrible and, and gritty in the dark, Blimey. and like there's lots of mold in it and things. In New York City, baby. It's, it's like a no, it's not right. It takes place in a fictional city that's not in any of the games, right? Where there's half human, half, half dinosaurs everywhere. Oh yeah, the Coopers. Because that's what Bowser is. Yeah, in, in it. I'm slightly regretting sort of saying that both of these directors are into S&M. That might not have been a real thing. So if you are uh, Rocky Morton or Annabelle Jankel and you wish to get in touch to correct the record as to your predilections for S&M or possibly piss porn, please do get in touch. Uh, uh, We'd love to set the record straight. (laughs) Just reading the Wikipedia article for Super Mario Brothers. The movie is fantastic. Uh, Joffy, who's one of the key producers on the film, Morton and Jankel, it could be Yankel, it's probably Yankel. No, it's Jankel. Jankel agreed their approach to adapting the video games should follow the darker tone popularised by the 1989 Batman film and the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. I guess you can see that. Well, but here's the issue. The source material to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is actually pretty dark and Mm. pretty hardcore. The source material to Batman is a story about a kid who is orphaned after his parents are murdered and then he goes on a sort of psychotic rampage against criminals. The source material for Super Mario Brothers is a couple of plumbers that jump on mushrooms. Oh, you think a princess getting kidnapped by a sort of reptile is just a walk in the park, do you? Yes. This is absolutely fascinating. (laughs) It's very long for the Wikipedia of a universally panned film. I've just found out something else insane about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Whilst writing the script, some of the writers were dismissed by the producers for giving it a more comedic tone. And the British writing team of Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet, a.k.a. the guys who wrote Porridge, were brought on to write, and I quote here, a more adult and feminist tone. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I love Clement and Lafrenet, but they're not my first call. It's not your (laughs) go-to. Right. Should we get some women to make this more feminist? Nah. nah. <laughs> Fletcher's a bit like Mario, isn't he? <laughs> right. There is far too much information to yeah. go through here, but um, absolutely. Uh, look at the Wikipedia article for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Probably read it while you've got the film on in the background. That's probably yeah. the way around to do it. Our two guests in this episode are Katie Pritchard and Matthew Hyten. You can find Katie Pritchard at at Katie Pritchards on Twitter and other forms of social media. Uh, she is a gigging musical comedian. Go and see her live. She is very good. And you can find Matthew Hyten at Matt Hyten on Twitter. He has a, a website as well, which is his name, which is Matthew Hyten, and then appended with dot com um he is a comedian filmmaker and weirdo he has um photoshopped himself into the cast of big trouble in little china in uh, his 
uh, header on his Twitter, and uh, he makes lots of funny videos that you can watch online. Both of these people may be going to the Edinburgh Fringe if they are buy tickets to their show. Definitely buy tickets to my show when it goes on sale. Uh, that's Alexander Bennett. I can't stand the man myself. Um, follow us on social media. Retweet the show. Rate the show. Subscribe. All that kind of nonsense. Tell people. Uh, and email us with suggestions for things that you want guests to explain. Uh, suggestions for guests. And fan art. We would love to see some fan art. Send us your grot. Uh, let's listen to the episode now. Yes, please. <laughs> Matthew Hyten and Katie Pritchard, thank you very much for agreeing to explain a few things to us today. Hello. You're, you're welcome. Hello. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Can't wait. Thank you. Can't wait. And thank you. Good. Thank you. Um, thank you. In the, uh, in the day that myself and uh, Andy have been alive... Mm-hmm. Uh, we have come to learn something of the following three things. Big Mouth Billy Bass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we know who David Dickinson is. Right. And uh, we are familiar with the Super Mario Brothers film. <laughs> okay. <laughs> These three things we know. Um, Matthew. Yes. On the understanding that we understand those three things, <laughs> yes, um, we'd like to know some more about certain people. Okay. Um, bearing in mind what we already know, uh, in one minute, yes, could you please explain to me who Madonna is? Your yes. time starts now. Okay, so you know how David Dickinson is very good at speaking and just being a generally lovely, lovely man. <laughs> Would you... Define him as being very good at speaking. Very good at yeah. speaking. He's got a really clear, crisp speaking voice. Are you? Have you experienced music yet? Um, we well, we're familiar with Big Billy Bass, who yeah. of course. So yeah, you will know it. But imagine the charisma of David Dickinson, right? But the musical talent of Big Billy Bass, right? Yeah. Uh, you've Together. essentially got the essence of Madonna. Mm. Um, are you familiar with Princess Peach in the Mario Brothers? Yeah. Yes. Madonna is. Uh, if you picture Princess Peach, yes, but give her the lyrical skills of Billy Bass, yes, the charisma of David Dickinson, the charisma, yes, you've pretty much already got Madonna. Does Madonna help people buy and sell antiques? I would assume so in her spare time, but it's not what she's known for. She is known more for singing and being what is called a pop icon. Thank you. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, in one minute, uh, you've explained to me that uh, explained to us that uh, Madonna um, is a pop icon that combines the musical talent of Big Billy Bass, yeah. the charisma of David Dickinson, and looks like Peach from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Essentially, I think that's if you if you you don't need more. Actually, that's pretty concise. She sounds amazing. I can't <laughs> wait to meet her, and oh. you will. Just uh, briefly, you, you say that um, Madonna is a sort of combination of Big Billy Bass and David Dickinson. Yeah. Um, one of them is a sort of fish, and one of them is David Dickinson. Is Madonna more like a fish or more like David Dickinson or at some <laughs> midpoint? I've never seen Madonna held in anyone's arms, so I would say she has the texture of a fish, but the shape of a Dickinson. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. That's, Appreciate that. But that's uh, some assumption work there. Wonderful. Well, you know, it's it's all it's all useful. It's all helpful. It's all helpful. Glad to be helpful. Katie. Yes. In 
one minute. Could you please explain to me who Thomas the Tank Engine is? Your time starts now. I can indeed. You you know how David Dickinson is the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. Very charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. And so Thomas the Tank Engine mm-hmm. is very similar to that in that he is like the the main dude, uh-huh. right? In <laughs> in where he exists. Where does right? he exist? He exists on this thing. It's called a train track. Okay. Right. And what if you imagine yourself, you know, in the Super Mario movie? Yes. You've got these things called roads haven't you which the cars drive down yeah yes um i've obviously seen the movie so a train track is very similar to a road Mm -hmm, except for it's two very thin tiny thin metal pieces of road okay and then the wheels of the train sit on each of those thin metal pieces of road and and thomas the tank engine is the main guy on that yeah and he rides that thank you your time is up (laughs) thank you Um, andy would you like to sum up Katie's explanation of who Thomas the Tank Engine is. Certainly, yeah. So on um, these very thin roads, um, there's <laughs> there's a very charismatic vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that, and that's, on. that's Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah. And he's the main dude. He's the main dude. Yeah. yeah. All of the other. He he also has um, is a bit of a music icon because he does have uh, a theme tune as well, which also plays. Okay. How does that go? Um, if you imagine the music of the Billy Bass mm. mm-hmm. playing, yeah. but um, maybe more, <laughs> but maybe like fused with. Um, it's another blend. <laughs> it's another blend, fused with David Dickinson doing some um, uh, some. Uh, what's the word? Uh, gaveling. Gaveling. Yeah. So you've got. Billy Bass music. Okay, so the Thomas the Tank Engine theme tune (laughs) is a sort of cross between the songs that Big Billy Bass sings, yes, but interspersed with the the noise of an auction. And then every time you get five rings, that bling. Think of that. That is that's that's Sonic. Oh. But also, either of us could have sung that to you. Yeah. But we chose to. <laughs> yes. To let you imagine it. Instead. I thought it would be better to explain it because, really, I mean, we're not going to do the the best job of it. It's best in your mind. All we ask is that you try your mm. best. Okay. That's, yeah. that's all we ask, and yeah. we, we appreciate the information. You're yeah. very welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, those are some people. There are some places that we'd like to know more about. Oh, fab. Um, uh, Matthew, in two minutes. Yeah. Could you please explain to me what the Vagina Museum is? Your time starts now. Did you say the Vagina Museum? The I vagina said the Vagina museum. museum. Okay, I've never been to the Vagina Museum. Okay. <laughs> could you hazard a guess as to what it's about? I could hazard a guess. Um, a vagina is a part of the female anatomy. Mm. Uh, a typical female, for your reference, would be Princess Peach. Okay. Or Madonna. Okay. Um, okay. So, Let's you know the mouth of Billy Bass? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Maybe just take the lips of Billy Bass, and that is as close with the tools I have mm-hmm. to explaining the outgoing appearance of a vagina. It's like and a Billy Bass's mouth. It's like a Billy Bass's mouth, yeah. Wait, and does it sing? Um, 
metaphorically, I've heard they can, but I, in, in practice, I've never heard one sing. <laughs> but I mean, essentially, this is a part of an anatomy that is a little bit Billy Bass lippish. And they come in different shapes and sizes, mm-hmm. but they are held in such pristine by a lot of members of our human race that mm-hmm. they've clearly dedicated a whole museum to them, which I imagine you know uh, when David Dickinson lays out his antiques. <laughs> imagine if you can picture all the antiques that David Dickinson might be rifling through and the sort of way they're, they're laid out. But it's essentially a, a, a human skin version of Billy Bass Lips. And again, I've never been, but that's how I'm picturing the entire museum. Has David Dickinson convened this exhibition? I would assume so. He he is the type. Did he, he acquire these via his charisma? Um, I imagine he acquired a lot of them through nefarious means, which his charisma would have aided giving him an air of sort of authority and, and sort of a genuine, as if he's a good, honest person. Okay, thank you. Your thank time you. is up there. Oh, good God. <laughs> so your, uh, your two-minute explanation of what the Vagina Museum is, is mm-hmm. it's a place... Uh, where uh, someone uh, has uh, collected uh, parts of uh, some types of human's anatomy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, probably belonging to Princess Peach, uh, and you can go and you can go and see them there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to my knowledge, you can see Peach's vagina at the Vagina <laughs> Museum. And it's a yep. bit like a Billy Bass mouth. Thank yep. you, man. Yeah, thank you. Mate. I'm, I'm appalled at myself. We're, we're very appreciative of any information. It's, it's fine. All information is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie. Yes. In two minutes, mm-hmm. could you please explain to us uh, what a coconut shy is? Your two minutes start now. <laughs> well, if you imagine, um, let's use David Dickinson as well, because he does seem like a, a fantastic point of reference. Okay. If you imagine David Dickinson and he's got all of his antiques laid out in front of him and yeah. you're you're trying to find out how much each of these antiques are worth. but you Dickinson's see, your man. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but the price is hidden within, not um, on the outside. So what you've then got to do is... You've... Can I just take you back over the sentence you've just said? Yeah. The prize is his, hidden... The price. The price. price. Yeah. Sorry, I heard prize. Well... And the price, really, because you're going to find out how much the thing's worth. Inside it. Inside it. So you do have to destroy it. Um, But what you do is you find find a ball. I think there's fireballs in uh, the um, (laughs) Super Mario movie. So you'll be well acquainted with what a ball is. We've we've seen balls in Super Um, Mario. So you'd find one of those, just throw it at the antique. To break it to find out how much You've it's worth. You've got to get it off the right. table and then it'll, and then you'll accumulate how much the things are worth. Okay. And then uh, that will di- dictate what prize you get. So where is this happening? Where would you do this? You'd normally do it at a place, it's called a fairground. What's a fairground? Um, so if you imagine, um, you know when I was describing train tracks? Yes. You? Well, there's lots of small versions of those. Okay. Um, and they're... They're called roller coasters. Do they have their own Thomases? 
they have their own Thomases. They're not as charismatic or with their own theme tunes as Thomas. So they couldn't be described as the main dude. They're not the main dude, no. Okay. Are there any? Sometimes it depends because at the fairground, there'd be a main dude of each fairground, but the overriding (laughs) dude of train tracks is Thomas the Tank. Right. Thank you, Katie. So, thank you. uh, Very quickly. Yes. so these these trains that are on the smaller train tracks. Yes. If Thomas is the main dude of that, are, are they there with his permission? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he sits on the council of <laughs> train track dudes. Okay. Um, because he's the main dude, and he signs off on everyone making sure they're track worthy, making sure they're going to be fun mm-hmm. for the people riding on them, and making sure they're not cooler than him. Okay, so he's he's asserting his authority through well through kindness and love normally. Right. Um, normally, <laughs> yeah. Unless you really get him in a bother. So you don't don't anger the main no. dude. You've explained to us that uh, Coconut Shy is somewhere at the fairground. Yes. That you go to to throw fireballs at David Dickinson's antiques <laughs> to find out how much they're worth. Yes, exactly. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. You're very welcome. We appreciate that. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um another area of human experience that myself and Andy are particularly keen to understand uh, is creativity mm. and art. Art. Um, Matthew. Yes. In three minutes, could you please explain to us both the content of the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yes. Your three minutes start now. Okay. So, uh, as you know, the Super Mario Brothers film is not the only film. There is another film called Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay. Um, it's like the Super Mario Brothers yeah, movie. You probably noticed watching the Super Mario Brothers that. Mario, Luigi, and all the characters, they don't look real. They look different somehow. That's called animation, um, which is essentially a way of... uh, uh, Quite real to me. They look quite real to me. The Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, the original Super Mario Brothers movie. We're not aware of any other kind of... There's two Super Mario Brothers movies. So there's the... What? 90s Super Mario Brothers movie, which is live action, and there's the new Super Mario Brothers movie, which is animation. Okay. Oh. Did the ones you watched look like people like me and you? Or? Yes. Okay. Slightly bigger. Slightly bigger, yeah. <laughs> One so, of them had a moustache. An animated movie is essentially um, when you draw a picture, which is using uh, tools, you can somehow uh, render an image of other people. You draw, yeah. you draw people and that's animation. Yeah, but you can also draw other things. Like in Roger Rabbit, there's mm-hmm. animals and other things. So imagine Billy Bass, but in drawn. They still move and everything. Mm-hmm. It's quite a high concept. But in this film, 
depending on the quality of drawing, could it be mistaken for a vagina, or would it be, or would it clearly be bass? <laughs> it would clearly be bass in this case, okay? Because uh, essentially, the world that Roger Rabbit inhabits is full of these sort of different animated uh, characters. Okay. Thomas the Tank Engine, for example, this is going to blow your mind, but he is technically an animation, even though he's the main dude. Right. He lives in an animated world. And the idea of Who Framed Roger Rabbit is taking a world like uh, our own uh, or the Mario Brothers movie mm-hmm. and combining that with this world of animated characters. But Drawing. at the same time, uh, there's been a mystery at the center of it which okay. needs solving. Now, mysteries come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, what happens in Roger Rabbit... What's the biggest mystery? Biggest mystery is uh, probably why are we here? And I don't mean that in just terms of us around the room. I mean ourselves as an entire... How many people have you guys met so far? Uh, Just you two. Well, outside, there are so many more than just us two. There's there's Mario's, there's Luigi's, there's Dickinson's. There's people... There is Madonna. She's out there with her slimy skin... Scaling around, she's not slimy. Just for the record, uh, but yeah, the whole world has lots of people inhabiting. They inhabit a place called either a, a village, a town, a city. And the, examples. And the biggest mystery is why why they're all they're, here. What? Yeah, we don't know. Okay. Uh, Could you hazard a guess? Um, a beautiful accident involving something I can't explain. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Matthew, in your three minutes, summing up what happens in the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Mm -hmm. you've explained that uh, it's a film uh, like the Super Mario Brothers movie, um, and in at the centre of that film uh, is a mystery, Mm -hmm. um, which uh, is smaller than the mystery of why we're all here, uh, and there's people drawing as well. Yeah, close enough. Close enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that explanation. We appreciate that. Katie. Yes. In three minutes, could you explain to us uh, what Buffy the Vampire Slayer is? Your time starts now. I would absolutely love that. Thank you for the opportunity. That's good. So, if you imagine that David Dickinson... Oh, he's back. Yeah. He's like Buffy, right? He exists because he's trying to help other people by finding out how much other people's antiques are worth, mm-hmm. right? So he's doing good and he's out there doing good in the world. Okay, yes, he's, yeah. he's helping other people. Exactly. And um, he's got a bit of a tan because he's allowed out in daylight. Right. right. <laughs> so in Buffy the Vampire State. Who, who allows him out? Well, he's allowing himself out. I think his that's family per- is fine with him being out. That's permission that Dickinson grants himself. Per- yeah, yeah, and the world in which he lives in. Where does he come out of? Um, <laughs> I'm guessing buildings, which you'll be well-versed with after watching the Super Mario movie, because yeah. there's buildings in that. They, 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 they sort of work in the building trade. Yeah, yeah. so you'll, you'll know what buildings are from that. So he's mm. popping out of these buildings, and that's how he's getting his tan, right? Yeah, he's now, popping out to do good. Yeah. yeah. What and is that's tan? Just like, so tan is like when, when the sun looks at your skin, and it's like, hey... Yeah. Just gonna make it a little bit deeper in shade. So the the sun looks at your skin. Yeah. Briefly, what's the sun? 
The sun is like you know those fireballs from the Super, Super Mario, Mario movie, yes. um, but like high up in the sky and massive, but like okay. really far away, so it's okay. not scary. So one of those looks at your skin and yeah. goes, "Hey you," and hey then you. it goes a darker shade. Yeah. Okay. Is that why David Dickinson looks different to other people? Um, that's one of the many reasons. Okay. Yes. So if you imagine Buffy, the character, yes, is. It like David is Dickinson. like David Dickinson, okay. right? Because she is doing good. She's what trying sort of to help tan people. She got? Um, she's got a mild tan. Mild, okay. Yeah, um, and she's allowed out in the daytime. You see, that's why. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then there's right these thing. other characters mm-hmm. in Buffy the Vampire Slayer who are vampires, and yeah. um, they're often uh, spotted because they're very pale because they're not allowed out in the daylight. Okay. okay. So Ooh, they can what, only what come all, out at night. What authority prevents them from? <laughs> the sun. Okay. The sun itself. The sun the... itself, and also the um, the uh, <laughs> the vibe in which they live in, because you see that they're, they're more often they're not. Katie. They're not the dudes. What sort of vibe do they live in? <laughs> well, they live in a vibe that's like, hey, vampires, you can only come out when the sun goes down. Who's saying this? This is like. <laughs> the arch vibe right. the time is up thank you um, I've got quite a lot sort of there's lots of questions about yeah, yeah I didn't really the arch vibe and the main dude story there but um, <laughs> it's quite a big story to have asked me to explain in three well we're very appreciative well, yeah, we appreciate of, the ground of, of the the, 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 big, big, yeah. the seeds of the, the whatever they are the, the beginning of the, the information that you, yeah. you've given us yeah so we, we understand that um Buffy and David Dickinson are alike in that the sun permits them to go outside (laughs) and um, change their colour thanks to its glances at them. Mm. Uh, We also understand that there are other people in in Buffy's world who are prevented from going outside by both the sun and the prevailing vibe in which they exist. Um, We don't yet understand how how Buffy and those, those other people uh, interrelate, but uh, I'm sure that we'll find out at some point. Would you like to know? I'm sure we'll find out okay. at the future point. Thank you, Katie, <laughs> You're very for that information. <laughs> um, myself and Andy have only existed for a day, mm-hmm. uh, but we're aware that things have existed before myself and Andy. Mm. Um, so we'd like to know about some of those. Uh, Matthew, in three minutes, could you please explain to me what the assassination of JFK was. Okay. Your time starts now. Well, if Thomas is your main dude of fairs... Yes. JFK was your main dude of another place called America. Okay. Okay. He he was was, the main dude. He was doing all your main dude. He'd be the guy who sort of... What defines America? What is it? America is a place, so as I covered earlier, you have village, towns, and cities. Fairgrounds. And fairgrounds, and they all fit into larger places, which are called countries, which is a a Mm -hmm. mass of land. And to clarify from something Katie was saying earlier, what's the vibe there? The vibe of America is is really wacky. It's a wacky vibe, America. They're doing all mm, sorts of stuff. What is wacky? Wacky is kind of like Billy Bass, you know? 
He's 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 he, unpredictable. <laughs> he's you never know when he's going to sing, and he's got a sort of cartoonish vibe to him. Okay, you know a, a so wacky vibe. America oh. has a sort of Billy Bass vibe. Yeah, it does in a, a sense, but it, there's lots of vibes in America. So many vibes mm. that you need a main dude to keep on top of them. Can I just check if so? We understand that uh, that train tracks are in. Uh, in fairgrounds, yeah, yeah, and fairgrounds are in larger places like America. Yeah, if Thomas is the main dude of train tracks, yeah. and JFK, yeah. is the main dude of America. Yep, yeah. does that mean that Thomas is subservient to JFK? Well, no, because <laughs> Thomas lives in a separate country to JFK. Okay, which in uh, a similar relationship to the Thomas and the smaller Thomases on yeah, small yeah. roads. Yep. Um, at fairs, are there little JFKs that? There are sub JFKs who are individuals that aren't called Jeff- JFK, but they'll have other names. But they do help like, him govern and run everything. What are, What are their names? Um, some might be called, for example, Tom. Uh, some might be called. You, they're all sorts. There's so many. But JFK had so many things to be in charge of, to be the main dude of. Mm. Uh, some people thought that they didn't want JFK to be the main dude, and that why not? Because they didn't agree with his main dudeisms, which right. the way he was governing, which is how he was telling other people to like the like son Thomasons. Yeah, have an alternative dude in mind. They. Probably didn't, but they knew if JFK didn't exist anymore, which is what the assassination was for, to make him what we call dead, Right. then someone would slip into his position and then there would be another JFK, but it's mm. not called a JFK. So it left a space a for another JFK. Yeah, which we would call the President and, of America. And very briefly, uh, how did the assassination function? What happened? Um, you know when Billy Bass goes off on one? Certainly. Ten seconds. Uh, essentially, imagine Billy Bass fired Six. a fireball from a metallic object, Three. and then it hits JFK, and he ceased. Thank you, Matthew, for that explanation. There is is a fireball the only way of uh, changing the main dude? Well, actually, no. <laughs> so the fireball in this case would have been a bullet, which is it works similar to a fireball as a projectile. But this comes as a what is called a little metal bullet or a slug. Okay. So you can change your dude with a fireball or a bullet. You can change it, but it's not the preferred way to change your dude. Because they threw a fireball at the JFK, did they find out how much it was worth? <laughs> they did not find out how much it was. So there's no Dickinson on hand to okay. evaluate it. <laughs> <laughs> so to sum up... <laughs> to sum up your explanation of what the assassination of JFK was, um, some people didn't like the main dude. They wanted a different main dude to create a different vibe in a place of many vibes. So uh, Billy Bass threw a ball at him and some, he stopped to see Some wacky Billy Bass type character, not... Right necessarily Billy Bass, though we don't know. Threw a ball at him and he stopped existing. Essentially, yes. Thank you, We appreciate that information very much indeed. Um, Katie, in three minutes, could you please explain to us uh, what the storming of the Bastille was? (laughs) Your time starts now. Yes. So, you know, um, when we were talking earlier about Buffy and the sun was like... Um, no, you can't come outside. Uh, well, the, the Buffy was allowed oh, outside. The, yeah, Buffy was allowed outside. She had a mild tan. Yeah, the, mm. <laughs> the sun said to the vampires, no, you can't come outside. Yes. Well, 
basically there was lots of people like that mm-hmm. inside the Bastille being like, no, you can't. The Bastille was full of vampires. Can't come in here. No, like the sons being very bossy and trying to be in charge. And they're like, okay. no, you can't. We're in here. We're telling you what to do. You can't come in here. So there's a load of sons inside a Bastille. <laughs> yeah. What is a Bastille? A Bastille. If you imagine um, uh, like um, the vibe of... <laughs> Back to vibes. <laughs> like, <laughs> if, if you imagine the vibe of Super Mario. What is the vibe of Super Mario? Very vibe? strong and sturdy. Sturdy vibe. Vibe. <laughs> yeah, it's like almost impenetrable. Nothing's going to change Super Mario. Super Mario vibe. cannot be penetrated. Yeah. So you've got that vibe going on, and there's a bunch of sons <laughs> the inside. vibe of Super Mario. <laughs> yeah. And a bunch of sons inside be like, no, we're in charge. We're telling you what to do. And then, do they have the Mario vibe, or do the, the people outside the Bastille, whatever? The building that is? has the Mario vibe. So the right. the building has a vibe that cannot be penetrated, yeah, and inside like, it contains suns that suns. are reinforcing that vibe. Yeah, do, do the the suns tan the? <laughs> In a way, yeah, okay. they're all tainted by what. <laughs> <laughs> what these sons are telling us to do. Okay. And um So there's a, so there's a there's a building a, <laughs> with an impenetrable vibe full of sons saying you can't come in. Who's yeah. trying to get in? I'm glad you've asked me this. As a history buff, I What's defi- a buff? Oh, um t- well Thomas the Tang Engine is like the main dude and this in certain parts of society he would be considered buff. And that is what, like what, when you What got parts the... of society would consider Thomas <laughs> Big... the Tank Engine buff? <laughs> well, there's these people that are called t- train watchers, and they would. They're consider... called train watchers. Yeah. Okay. And they would consider Thomas the Tank Engine as buff. And what qualities does buff relate like, to? Like, buff, I mean, he's. Uh, he's, he's the main dude, he's happy, is it because go of his lucky. Theme tune? He's got a theme tune. Okay. He's very strong and sturdy and robust. Like Can you be buff without a theme tune? <laughs> <laughs> um, many have tried, um, but not many have succeeded without a theme tune. Okay. Um, so I definitely say the theme tune does Thank you. help. Thank you. You're Thank very you. Welcome. Time is up, Katie. Thank you very much <laughs> for that. So you've <laughs> explained to us that the. Storming of the Bastille mm-hmm. was uh, something which occurred when um, an unknown person or group attempted to penetrate the impenetrable vibe <laughs> of a building full of sons who were instructing other people to do things mm. whilst tanning them. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Yes. We appreciate that information very much. There are so many different things to learn about. So many. So many. So many. Um, we'd just like to continue um, asking you about some more. Uh, ask away. We are open we books. Are quite wise, obviously. Thank so. you. Thank you. We're very appreciative. Um, Matthew, in th- two minutes, mm-hmm. can you please explain to me what Humpty Dumpty is? Your two minutes start now. So remember earlier I talked about characters and animations. Yes. Humpty Dumpty is kind of like those. He's he's not real. Um, okay. And he is um, 
uh, what we call an egg. <laughs> What's an egg? <laughs> why I mean, do, you should ask. Why do we call it that? Do you remember Yoshi in the Super Mario? No, remember at the beginning of Super Mario Brothers where uh, Princess Peach is delivered to a orphanage as an egg? That is an egg. Hmm. <laughs> the thing That's in the egg. basket at the beginning of the Super Mario Brothers live-action movie is an egg. Okay. okay. Humpty Dumpty. Imagine <laughs> if Humpty Dumpty, if Princess Peach didn't hatch out the egg, she was the egg. That is essentially what Humpty Dumpty is, which works really well because I think Humpty Dumpty was supposed to be royalty like Peach. Mm. And essentially, um, he became a, uh, a, a rhyme which is when two words sound the same, like um, fine and mine. So That's a rhyme. That's a rhyme. Okay. Humpty Dumpty became this rhyme that people would talk about, an egg falling off a wall. And just like JFK, he was ceased. So he turned into a rhyme and became an egg and no, he fell was, off a wall. He started he, off as an egg. He started off as an egg. He fell off a wall. And like JFK, he was ceased. But there was no fireballs or bullets gravity the the action was he assassinated he well this is the question i think he might have been but on the scale of questions between why are we here mm. uh, and <laughs> was humpty dumpty assassinated uh, yes how, Close. how big okay did, it's a big mystery did did him falling off the wall establish how much he was worth um essentially kind of yes i imagine society did feel a lack without him but again no dickinson on hand to appraise and very briefly Hard. um did anyone see this happen um, all the king's horses and all the king's men were aware of it. <laughs> okay, thank you, Matthew. We appreciate that explanation very much indeed. So, to sum up your explanation of what Humpty Dumpty is, uh, an egg turned into a rhyme and then fell off a wall mm -hmm. and some horses and men saw this. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Bang on. That's the blurb right there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew, for that explanation. And that killed the egg. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And he was unable to be re recreated, I guess. And his worth was established. I think so. Okay. Um, Katie, in yes. two minutes, could you please explain to us uh, what a Weatherspoon's carpet is? Your time starts yeah. now. So a Weatherspoon's carpet, if you um, imagine everything we've spoken about everything. today, every single thing, mm -hmm. just on the floor all at once. <laughs> um, so that's a singing Billy Bass, David Dickinson, the Super Mario Brothers movie, yeah. Madonna, Thomas the Tank Engine, a coconut shy, the Vagina Museum, uh, What Happens in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Storming of the Bastille, The Assassination of JFK, Humpty Dumpty, all, are all on the floor. They're all on the floor. And imagine that they've been... Are they getting on? Well, imagine... What's the vibe? The vibe is very much, um, it's kind of an anti-vibe. Right. So it's not particularly positive, but basically they've it's ceased. Penetrable? Well, I'd say no. I feel like they've ceased to exist as they are. So an anti-vibe is the opposite of a vibe. Yes. So you can penetrate it. Um, well, I'd say... In this instance, no, it's just as strong that that way, unpenetrable. Okay. It is what it is, mm -hmm. the opposite of a vibe. <laughs> and it's like everything on on the floor, yeah. but it's all been trodden in oh. so much that it's as if Thomas the Tank Engine has rolled over it 
yes. about a million times. Right. So um, it's just really well embedded in there. And then on top of that, layered with a lot of smells. Right. And smell is something that you see with your nose. Um, <laughs> so it's like that, but with your nose. You see it with your nose. Yeah. So it's like in, you, yeah. So we can see that there's a bazillion things on the floor. Yes. And it's the same because it would smell like a bazillion things on the floor. Your time is up, Katie. Yes. Thank you. Where the spoons go. Really uh, opened up some other areas of intrigue towards yeah. the end there, I felt. So uh, what I'm given to understand is that a Weatherspoon's carpet is what happens when everything <laughs> in the world is sort of trampled into a floor <laughs> mm. and combined with a number of smells yes. that you yeah. can see with your nose. Exactly. That's alarmingly accurate. Very briefly, what's the vibe? It's an anti-vibe. 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 Yeah. Anti-vibe. Thank you, Katie. You're Thank very you. welcome. Thanks for asking. For that explanation. We are intrigued by human beings, mm-hmm. and we're especially intrigued by human behaviour. So we'd like to know a little bit more about uh, the things that people do. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Matthew, in two minutes... Uh, could you explain to me what I would be doing if I were to get a mortgage? Yes. Your time starts now. Okay. So say you wanted to own the best deal. Okay. Okay. Say or or anywhere, you know, say a fun fair or something like that. Say you saw a place. Yes. Uh, usually a structure or a building or what we call a house, which is where we live. So um, in Super Mario, uh, Cooper has a palace. Okay. That is a big version of a house. Most yes. old people have a house. Say you wanted to own that. Say you wanted that to be your house. Mm-hmm. You would need to purchase that. Obviously, Mario deals in coins. Um, yes. And yeah. money, which is... And David Dickinson. And David Dickinson, yeah. A very good good way. So, say you sold an antique for lots of money. Okay, you smashed it open, yeah. found out how much it was worth. You, yeah. you, you absolutely sold it. You wouldn't need a mortgage because it's worth so much. You'd just be able to sell the antique, collect the money, and buy um, Cooper's Palace, for example. Okay. Right. But most things aren't worth that much. Did someone try and buy the Bastille then? Is that is that why there were so many sons saying... Quite possibly. Sometimes when a, a hot property comes on the market, there's quite a lot of buzz. And it would have been people hot. Do, it would have yeah. been hot, yeah. yeah. And people do like to compete to get to the property. But in most cases... Why? Why do people compete to get the property? Because some properties, like Cooper's Palace, yes. are nicer than, say... Some places like Mario's and Luigi's apartment in Brooklyn. Why is it nicer? Because it has more amenities. What uh, are amenities? Things like uh, uh, where you can go, use the toilet. So you can't use the toilet at the place you in can, Brooklyn? You can, but they're plumbers. A, they, this is true. <laughs> they can use the toilet wherever. And if you can't use the toilet, they could come in. Is but that, say is you that wanted a, a, a quality that defines a plumber is that they can use the toilet anywhere. <laughs> it is, actually. It is, actually. They... Say what you will about plumbers. They can make any wear a toilet. <laughs> Thank okay, you, Matthew. Your time is up. It's so close. Another minute I would have had that. In two minutes you've explained uh, to us that um, getting a mortgage uh, is when you try to possess um, a building 
like Cooper's Palace mm -hmm. or the Bastille. Mm -hmm. um, and people do this competitively mm -hmm. um, so that they can go through the toilet if they're not a plumber. Yeah, essentially. Thank you. Thank you. You just need somewhere to toilet that is your own and not everyone can be a plumber. So uh, why, why can't everyone be a plumber? Uh, it's a supply and demand thing. Um, everyone could be a plumber, but then the there'd be too many heroes in the world, mm. like Mario <laughs> and Luigi, and Presumably there'd be other issues. Yeah. Affect the vibe in some way. It would affect the mm -hmm. vibe in a big way. Katie. Yes, hello. In two minutes, could you please explain to us what you would be doing if you were doing karaoke? Your time starts now. So, you know Billy Big Bass? And yes. he just loves to sing whenever the mood takes him. Yes, as, as we established earlier, he's unpredictable. He's yeah. unpredictable. But sometimes he'll feel it within him to want to sing. And he you could predict that because he'd be like, this is my time to sing, right? Does he announce it? Well, I think you can in essence say that he does by the sheer fact he starts flapping. <laughs> that's how he... That's how someone notes that they want to sing is they start flapping. Different people have different tells about <laughs> when they want to start singing. But what happens is a group of people yes. who are all showing their tells that they'd like to start singing. Some of them are flapping. Some of them are flapping. Mm -hmm. Some might be rolling along like Thomas the Tank Engine. Some might be um, I don't doing some plumbing just to... Like Super Mario. And these are like, all indicators <laughs> indicators that someone is about to sing. They could be, yeah, depending on the person. And a group of Is these, a plumber gonna sing every time they do some plumbing or uh, if they're a singing plumber then yeah, they would. Okay. Matthew said that we can't all be plumbers. Can some of us be singing plumbers that aren't plumbers? Yeah, you could well be. Okay. Yeah. And um the a group of people who are showcasing to their friends they're that flapping they're, and they're flapping oh. and plumbing. They're ready to sing. They'll go into a building. Yes. We've yep. covered buildings. Yep. And covered um, that. and uh what they'll do is they'll all choose to sing mm -hmm. to songs that already exist so they might be singing to madonna they might mm -hmm. sing thomas the tank engine's theme tune they might be um they could be singing if, why if, if they sing a new song mm. does the thing that they're doing cease to be karaoke yes okay. yeah because a new song that would be at I mean, it depends what level of their career they're at, but it could be an open mic night. It could be a full-blown concert. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Sandy, uh, would you like something about Yeah, so, so Katie, you've explained to us that karaoke is uh, the act of singing an old song uh, in a building, uh, which uh, is signalled by flapping or plumbing or any number of other activities. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. You're welcome. Um, one final area mm -hmm. of human experience that myself and Andy are keen to learn more about uh, is comedy. Oh, uh, yeah. And humour. Um, Matthew, mm -hmm. could you please explain to me in two minutes why the following joke is funny? Two snowmen standing in a field. Mm-hmm. One says to the other, can you smell carrots? Please okay. explain why that's funny in two minutes, starting now. Well, luckily, we already know that smell is uh, you seeing with your nose. Yeah. Yes. So 
that covers a lot of it already. Mm. But snowmen, yes, uh, traditionally, whereas we have noses, yes. they have what is known as a carrot for a nose. Okay, which What's is it? a it is called a vegetable. You grows in the ground and it is edible. It okay. sustains you, which may later on, uh, almost certainly later on, require you to need a toilet in your home or wherever a plumber might be. Okay. Right. And so a carrot will sustain you until it causes you yes. to require a plumber. But in its raw form, it is uh, angular and orange. And it's quite hilarious to put on a snowman, which is a person. Quite yes. hilarious. Made, quite hilarious. Uh, made out of snow, which is kind of, you know, the sun? Mm. Yes. Imagine if the sun was cold and the same shape. It's three of those stacked together, and then you make a face. The, the There's three cold suns on top of each other that you put a carrot on. Exactly, mm. and the carrot represents the nose. Okay. So, so whereas normally suns have any opinions on whether vampires should be allowed outside or not? They probably don't, because snowmen exist for a short time, because the sun is their natural enemy, and the sun will, like a vampire, destroy them. Uh, but... With the carrot as their nose, normally your nose, you wouldn't smell your own nose, but because a carrot has its own unique odour, so they would <laughs> they would smell their own nose, which is bizarre, and the so, bizarre wackiness of it <laughs> creates comedy. So our so our noses are odourless. to ourselves at least to ourselves but were we to have a carrot for a nose you would have to assume you would 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 alert alert the the snowman yeah thank you thank you Um, in that time you've explained to us that the reason two snowmen standing in a field one says to the other can you smell carrots Uh, the reason that that is funny uh, is because a snowman is three cold suns on top of each other, uh, and their nose is represented by a carrot, which is a vegetable with a highly unusual odour. Yes. Yes. Um, Thank you. Okay. You might hear the term, oh, that smells carroty from time to time, and that will be the old odour. Look forward to hearing that. <laughs> yeah. Like, look forward to hearing that. You, you will do very time. soon, undoubtedly. Would you like me to... Yes, I would, yeah, if that's okay. Read that following yeah. joke. Yeah. Okay. Katie. Yes. Um, I would like you to explain why the following joke is funny. Um, it requires you uh, at the midpoint to ask me the question, uh, I don't know why. Okay. Why does Noddy wear a little hat with a bell on it? I don't know why. Because he's a cunt. Explain why that's funny in two minutes starting there. Well, um, a a cunt is something you would find at the Vagina Museum on display uh, and information pertaining to it, Mm -hmm. which Noddy is not. Um, Noddy is one of these animations. A drawing. A drawing, Mm -hmm. exactly, um, of a very lovely, pleasant um, person who enjoys nothing more than driving around in his car which you will know about from the Super Mario movie. Is he the main dude of car drivers? I'd, he's not the main dude because he's just having a lovely time. He's not trying to dictate anyone else's fun. He's just out and about driving he's his car. Pleasant driving he, his car. Exactly. Okay. Um, so he's just out driving his car, having a nice time. 
mm-hmm. and he has got a, a hat that does have a little bell on it. Okay. Mm. Um, but that's why, um, because it's not true, is it? The the end of this setup and punchline. That is, that's why it's funny. It's not funny because Noddy's not a cunt, but it's saying that he is a cunt. Yeah, exactly. Right. So the well. humour arises from the disparity between Noddy's character exactly. and, and the how he how he's been painted. Exactly. How do you think? Um, now I've described Noddy. Mm-hmm. If this wasn't a joke, how do you think that first sentence would end? How do you think that would that set up? If it if it wasn't a jo- well, well, if the humour comes from. The, the the disparity mm-hmm. between uh, Noddy's personality and um, uh, uh, him not being a, a cunt, which is like something mm-hmm. you find in the Vagina Museum, the sentence would probably go, to my mind, something like, um, why does Noddy wear a hat with a little bell on it? Because he's very pleasant driving his car around. Exactly, yeah. And that wouldn't be funny. No, that would just be a truth. That would be because true. Yeah. Because his head's cold? That is another. That's another good reason, um, because he, his favourite colour is red, and he likes bells. Okay, thank you, another. Katie. Your time is up. Thank you. Yeah, I think we've already pretty accurately summed up that uh, the the reason why that funny joke is funny. I think you did <laughs> um, extremely well. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you. Well. Because of the yeah the distance between the actuality of Noddy, which is a nice little man in a car, <laughs> and, <laughs> and calling him a cunt. Yes. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both for um, all the information that you have provided. Um, Andy, after all of that, um, who do you think has provided the most satisfactory explanations? Well, I mean, they've they've both very, very wonderful explanations from from both of our friends here. Um, I do think that um, that Katie's explanations, um, which have enlightened us as to the character of the sun, Mm. <laughs> um, are probably going to be the most useful going forward. That's fair, I think. I, That's very fair. I think Matthew gave us a, lo- a, lo- a lot of really sort of I- important sort of um, uh, information about sort of reality and animation. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I, I think that uh, Katie's explanation of the last joke was so succinct uh, that I, I think I would also have to agree that Katie has provided the most satisfactory explanations. Thank I you. also agree if that's any help. <laughs> that's good. Katie, do you do you agree? Um thank you very much. That's not an answer. Um <laughs> thank you very much for agreeing to explain thank a few you. things to us today. And uh, Matthew also thank you very much. You're very thank welcome. You. Um, it's been very pleasant uh explaining. <laughs> oh god. Oh, god. oh. oh no. Okay. Oh, my. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I believe that. Oh god. That's disgusting. Right in his carrot. You have been listening to Born Yesterday, featuring Andy Barr and me, Alexander Bennett. I created the show, and Steve Pretty composed the music. If you've enjoyed the show, please tell people about it. Follow us on social media, and leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.